This is the Money Savvy Podcast from MoneyWeb, where we tackle personal finance matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, Butimelo Nsoko. Welcome to the Money Savvy Podcast. I'm Butimelo Nsoko. The topic of buy-to-let properties is a contentious one, with investors looking to improve their financial situations buying apartments, building cottages and bedrooms aplenty. Is this a good idea though? And can you make money doing it? Stay tuned as Rick Snell, who is a certified financial planner at PSG Wealth, helps us make sense of rental property investments. Welcome, Rikis. Yeah, thank you to me. Now, many people see rental property as an easy way to generate a passive income. Is that really the case? Yeah, to me, so I'm on records uh, with a recent article disputing the, the easiness of it, of this whole topic. And uh, I think there's a couple of general assumptions that I think over time has, has actually changed and that it is not that easy and it is not that uh, that much more convincing uh, as it was before in creating wealth. So, I mean, I even hear property developers and this is a professional property development firms in South Africa are recognizing and acknowledging that the margins of property development has also shrinked. And it is actually quite tricky not to to get in trouble with with the development, and and the margins are generally higher for, because there's a there's a conversion of of for instance empty land compared to just a buy and sell of a particular prop uh, property. So my view is it is not that easy anymore. I think the general ex- assumptions that uh, it's a passive type investment, uh, that it is cheap, uh, that the tenant sort of pays for everything. Uh, that property prices just goes up, uh, one way up, and that if you generally get a good tenant that you've got no sort of challenges, I think is is far from the accurate view. And then I think many people can attest to it. A few years ago, buy-to-let was all the rage in the property sector. With the higher taxes and, and rates as well, has this then changed the, the situation today? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of factors. It's always a combination of factors. Uh, sometimes it's uh, a lot of that drive of uh, of a demand drive for something is, is a lot of the time driven by sentiment in terms of how does investors look upon a particular asset class based on past experiences. But if we can reflect on that time, it was in my mind uh, between 2002 and 2007 before the great financial crisis. South Africa was going through a, a, a commodity super cycle with China buying everything that we dug out of the out of the ground. Before 2002, uh, the JSE went sideways for three years. So there weren't necessarily a great appetite for uh, listed equities at that time. And the South African economy was growing between four and five percent per annum. So uh, now, now let's look at what the, the uh, rental or residential property index, according to FNB, they they prepare a residential property barometer, and they reckon that between 2002 and 2007, residential property as a national number in South Africa has grown by 21% on average per annum for almost six years. Now, if, if that's the case, uh, then you can imagine that some properties, you know, selected or spe- specific property did perhaps half of that and other properties did perhaps something like 30 or 40% in a year. So you can clearly see why during that time you would have seen some perhaps first-time buyers that were actually just just making an absolute 
fortune by flipping properties within two or three years. Um, but that is uh, actually, that is not uh, seen lately. And in fact, from 2008, uh, which is now after the great financial crisis, that same property uh, barometer from FMB uh, shows a national average of 3.89% per annum. And that's over 14 years, and that's not beating inflation. So, so you can clearly see it's a combination of things. It is uh, typically your consumer out there that is also under pressure, perhaps from higher taxes, uh, definitely from much lower economic growth. And then an uh, interesting thing, which is quite contentious and, and uh, perhaps just aggravating what is happening out there, is ESCOM's uh, electricity escalations is just one example, but it's a very good example of what has happened to the consumer out there and manufacturing and use of products, et cetera, et cetera, because this is in our inflation numbers, is they've put up uh, electricity prices from 2007 to, to the end of 2021 by 520%. So it's a little bit of chalk and cheese, I think, from what we've seen during our prosperous economic years uh, compared to what we've seen lately. And just with the current situation with Russia and Ukraine um, affecting economies, do you think that situation is about to worsen? So it depends on what what uh, direction. Obviously, the the talks and the the uh, negotiations goes. Uh, I think Putin, from my point of view, is, is in a very difficult position to go home without a victory because Russia has sacrificed quite a lot in terms of these sanctions, sanctions uh, and and uh, depreciation of the currency, the ruble. So they've uh, they've actually sacrificed a lot, and to go back and just say we've we've uh, reach the peace peace deal without much gain. I'm not sure if that's possible. Further escalation is not necessarily that obvious and hopefully not that obvious at this stage. So very difficult to say to me, uh, but in terms of war, there's probably very little sort of benefits to anyone. So hopefully it, don't, it, it does not escalate. And then for someone who's then still considering going into buy to let, what financial position should they be in before going down this route? So hopefully in a more uh, affluent position than than someone more or less just breaking even. Uh, I think another misconception is that that the tenant sort of pays for most of the bills, which is actually if you do a, a projection accurately, you will see that there's a lot of chipping in from the property owner over the first 10 years. Uh, while something is perhaps mortgaged, for instance. So I would reckon, first of all, just in terms of interest rates, I think uh, investors should consider that interest rates can go up 3% perhaps, and that a projection is, is most likely more rational at that interest rate level. I would also regard it necessary that the owner can financially survive without that uh, rental income for probably three to six months, which I think is, again, I think that's on the prudent side, even with resources that if you get into some sort of a dispute or legal uh, fallout with a tenant, that you can actually do something about it and afford legal action. And then uh, perhaps just the last one is the taxability of of rental or or other sources of income. Again, it comes back to a projection and to uh, go and have a look what a a net tax rental income is actually going to look look like and whether that is in line with your uh, with the risk that you're taking up so people that are typically 
taxed at the highest level. Uh, well, rental income is not the not the most tax efficient way then to to earn income, and uh, and also to cr- create uh, wealth in terms of physical property. You touched on rental projections and uh, a few items that should be included in that. What other things should be in there? Yeah, so to me, I think that's uh, this is actually the, the contentious issue is that a lot of people perhaps have rental properties and that a lot of people has views on rental uh, property or physical property. And if I if I compare this with alternatives, I always say that that we're not talking about primary residence yet. It's a very distinctive difference that we need to make. We're talking about investment property. So you've got an alternative to either going to physical property as an investor or into an alternative as an investment. So, but the contentious issue is, uh, I think the projections are uh, is, is actually a very difficult exercise to do accurately because there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, there is sometimes, as I said, just the taxability from one individual to another gives you a complete different outcome. So, in in my mind, way how to approach this is to first of all just tongue in the the cheek meticulous careful and then conservative in terms of the assumptions that you make. So Richard Branson always says, look at your downside and manage your downside. The upside will take care of itself. And I think this is typically where you would rather want to be prudent and conservative, make the projections, speak to people that are in rental property, uh, look at their projections. If they haven't got projections, you're talking to the wrong person, perhaps. Uh, so it has to be run like a business. There is a real profit or a real loss that is going to be the result of of the management of that uh, physical property. And then perhaps things that is that is a little bit less obvious to include in those projections is obviously things like maintenance, and that is that is individual specific to each uh, type of property or the one that that investors will then consider investing in. Um, I think it's prudent to make a provision for non-rental payment, and it can be a slight provision, but I think it's rational to think that even between tenants, there's perhaps months that, that something isn't occupied or rented and tenanted. And then lastly, provide for the agent's commission. I think Again, it's like most things. If you haven't done this before, you aren't that uh, sort of affluent and confident uh, and that you have proven yourself in the past, you will probably need to uh, make use of a of an agent uh, to provide for that fee. And then lastly is the time spent. Many of us are, are actually, to an extent, exchanging time and knowledge for, for money as a, as a career. So if you end up spending more time on your rental properties, well, surely you need to be compensated to an extent. Uh, so, so even uh, if someone is professionally uh, skilled and selling time or whatever the case might be, I think it's prudent to actually include that in the projection and to see if it actually makes sense getting involved with something like that. And what should you look for when purchasing a rental property? So first of all, I think, again, I will in, involve people uh, in conversation that is, has done it quite a few times. But the, 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 the highlights for me is, is location, location, location. A good initial investment has got the tendency to remain a good investment and a bad initial inv- uh, investment tends to, to remain a bad, specifically with property. It's a very difficult one to turn around. So 
in my mind, rather buy in a better location, smaller than in a, uh, buying a bigger property in a, in a different area. I think it's important to understand what someone can actually utilize that property for. Is it something that can be converted? If you look at what's happened, for instance, in um, during COVID, uh, many people has actually converted properties and they're actually working from home. So you look at opportunities of how that property can be utilized and what it will be worth to, uh, to someone. Again, I will side partners with good agents. So I'll find out who are good agents in that area and engage with them. Not taking everything that they say for, you know, as gospel, but to actually uh, ask whether they have got some projections. Look at the numbers of, of particular areas, particular properties, and get to the net, uh, nitty grits of it. Um, get all the information about financials. What does it cost to be the owner of, of that property? A lot of the time, there's, there's, um, there's hidden costs. People uh, don't necessarily ask about all the type of costs that's, that's involved. And then lastly, obviously, is the, the maintenance. Uh, look at the roof, walls, flooring, corrosion effect if you're close to the sea, et cetera, et cetera. Look at the uh, the services. Is it old? Is it new? There's really a lot of factors that's involved, and perhaps is it good to to get some sort of a almost want to say a evaluator that can actually go with with you, looking at the structural um, savvy and, and and soundness of of uh, structures because those are the those are the parts and the elements that will actually break a deal uh, if, if you need to fix structural uh, damages or, or faults. Rickus, in your recent article on MoneyWeb, you said the only time physical property can measure up in monetary growth terms versus listed shares is when your initial cash investment or loan deposit is aggressively scaled by way of bank finance. Could you please explain to our listener why that is? Yeah, so it's called the leveraged effect. So if you uh, have got, uh, for an example, 100,000 rand as a capital lump sum, you are, as a scenario, you are able to put that in, let's say, listed financial markets and uh, earn a return on that based on the asset class underneath. Or you can go and you can leverage that 100,000 as a deposit on, on some sort of a mortgage bond, for instance, and you can perhaps borrow a million rand and acquire a million rand uh, property. So if you do the second option, uh, if you get 5%, so let's say half the return per annum in terms of a percentage, if you get 5% capital growth on your your purchased property, it translates into 50,000 rand capital appreciation over one year compared to the 10% on the 100,000 rand, which is merely 10,000 rand. So you can see that starting off with a bigger base, uh, even if you in future are earning a lower growth rate on that capital, in monetary terms, you can actually make a faster headway. Now, what is interesting is, and this is the exercise that I've actually done prior writing the article, is that that was presumed to be superior way to wealth creation than just starting off with a smaller amount into listed, uh, for instance, listed equities. But if you take the cash flows that it cost a, let's say, a property owner uh, just to get off the mark, uh, and that is basically the shortfall between the cost of, of ownership 
and that mortgage payments versus the rental income that you that you receive. If you take that shortfall, because that is what it's going to cost you to acquire that property, and you put that onto your initial deposit and you invest that annually in listed equities, the leveraged effect option is not that convincingly better and faster in wealth creation over 20 years. And that is where I'm saying uh, it all comes down to what are the numbers? What are the specific property? What are the uh, specific properties, rental income and escalation opportunity? What are the cost of ownership? How are those going to escalate? What are the interest rates, et cetera? How is someone taxed? Because all of those are, is it a freestanding property? Is it a, in a security complex? All of those facts are going to determine whether someone is, is going to have a better, I almost want to say true passive investment in a, in a financial market investment or a, uh, a physical rental property with, with everything that goes hand in hand with that. And I can tell you from what I've seen, it is a very, very close outcome between those two scenarios over 20 years and over 40 years, hands down, uh, is, is financial markets the better outcome. Now, if I've just realized that rental property is going to be too much work for me, what other possible alternatives can I have as opposed to owning buy-to-let property? Yeah, so I think the the, the challenge of it uh, to me is perhaps the it's a little bit of a dis, dissatisfactory answer, uh, but it is basically starting small and and invest into financial markets if you because this is clearly a long-term investment plan we're talking about both physical property and listed equities so you will need to adopt a aggressive listed equity portfolio investment portfolio start small stay disciplined with the with the amounts that that physical property would have costed you to also put that into investment uh, on a monthly basis but I can tell you what I do see is individuals that are able to focus on their careers 100%, focus on their speciality, focus on their self-development, uh, that they are able to actually earn as much as possible in their career, take those earnings, put in financial markets in a disciplined way, looking after their health, you would probably not find a uh, failed financial outcome following that route. So uh, you're asking about alternatives. The alternative, as I say, is perhaps a dissatisfactory answer is starting small, staying disciplined, staying the course, taking the investment risk in terms of listed equities and focusing on on your earnings uh, capabilities in your career rather than uh, sidetracking with with different ventures. All right. Thank you so much, Rikus. That was Rikus Nell, who is a certified financial planner at PSG Wealth. Thanks for listening to the Money Savvy Podcast, hosted by Buitamelo and Sorkel. To listen to more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.